0: Hello, and welcome to tonight's edition of the Hot Rod Bible Study. Uh, once again, I'd like to thank everybody for their prayers for a safe journey for me. Uh, as you can see, we made it home all in one piece, really no problems. Had to do bug abatement tomorrow, but otherwise, the car performed better than I had anticipated. And had weather was good, got a little rain coming home, but it, it worked out just fine. So thanks again for your prayers. Like I said last week, when, I, when a guy told me my timing was good, I said, no, I just had a lot of prayer coverage. And that's that's really the case. Um, now, speaking of last week's episode, I did have a recommendation for me to retread last week's because of the uh, technical difficulties. It's not a bad idea. The only problem is, is I'm a real efficient guy, and I throw away my notes as soon as I'm done. And they were unretrievable. So uh, I hope that you can dope something out of last week's anyway. This week we will be in Revelation chapter 13. Uh, So if you put your handy-dandy bookmark there, because to begin with, we're going to turn to Psalm 24, where it says, The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness the world and all who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is Jacob, the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face. Lift up your head, O you gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up, you everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the king of glory. Let's stop there and, and go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for this time. We get to be together to be in your word. We thank you for your word to be in. Uh, what a blessing, Lord. Uh, when this was being written, uh, not everybody had full advantage of of everything that we have in front of us here with these 66 books, Lord. So thank you. Open our hearts and minds. Keep me out of the way. And uh, send your Holy Spirit upon us. That's the way to work. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Revelation 3 says, and again, this is the uh, last week we were on the first four churches uh, in Revelation. Now we're on the last three of, of the seven churches. Now, how does this tie into what we do here in 2022? Well, again, seven being the number of completion or perfection, it really applies to all churches. Everything, all the churches that we are looking at here at the beginning of the book of Revelation, applies to the church as a whole. Who is the church? The people, not the different denominations, not the different buildings, but the people. We are the church. And so this is great for us to know so we don't go down the wrong road. Okay. So here it is, beginning verse one, it says, And to the angel of the church of Sardis, write, These things says who, who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars? I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you're dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain, which are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard. Hold fast and repent. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, right? These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, and have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan, who say they are Jews and are not, but lie, indeed I will make them come and worship before your feet, and to know that I have loved you. Before you have kept my command to persevere, now pardon me, because you have kept my... Command to persevere, I will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world, to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of God. He who shall go out, and he shall go out no more, I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city. My God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things says the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither hot. I mean, pardon me. Neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are warm, I am neither cold nor hot. I will vomit you out of my mouth because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy for me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich in white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and patient, because I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him. And he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As also, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Again, this is the, the last three of the seven churches of Revelation. Now, It starts off, and to the angel of the church of Sardis, right? Okay, the angel. Again, in the Greek here, the word means messenger, and that could mean pastor. We're to deliver the message. Okay, so here's the deal. To the pastor of the church of Sardis. Now, this is a city that was well known for softness and luxury. It had a well-deserved reputation for apathy and immorality. Sounds a bit like our here United States, doesn't it? In Sardis, there was a large stately temple to the mother goddess Sybil. From the ruins of that that temple, we can see its main columns were 60 feet high and more than six feet in diameter. This mother goddess was honored and worshipped, get this, sounds like familiar, with all kinds of sexual immorality and impurity. Barclay puts it this way, the great characteristic of Sardis was that even on pagan lips, Sardis was a name of contempt. Its people were notoriously loose living, notoriously pleasure and luxury loving. It was a city of decadence. Now, isn't it interesting how these different cities that we've gone, we've talked about, a lot of which are a city of decadence. And this is where the church was planted. Well it makes sense. Who needs who needs the hospital? It's not the the well who needs a physician. It's not the people that are well, it's the people that are sick. So that was the area where these were planted. Okay. <clears throat> Goes on to say that these things says he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Again this is uh describing Jesus himself just as we read in chapter one of Revelation. he goes on to say, "I know your works, that you have a name that you are alive, but you're dead. okay? It was a busy church and seemed like everything was going on really great in outward appearance. He says you are dead. well because the deal is is they practice get this inoffensive Christianity. Hmm, what does that mean? Well, that means, and we'll see this, there's a lot of large churches that you see where all they do is give you the gospel light. And what I mean by that, you have to also have the law to know where you are. Yes, I know that I am a sinner. And yes, most people that come to Jesus recognize that they're a sinner. But there are those who will attend churches that say, oh, I'm not a sinner. I'm just doing great. I'm just here mostly for the social aspects and all this stuff. No. And the get this is that Satan doesn't bother with churches that are in offensive. He doesn't bother messing with them because he's already got them. Because they're not making a difference. They are not making a difference. And this is the church in Sardis. It says here, be watchful. Examine yourselves and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found your works perfect before God. It sounds to me like this church had a good starting, right? Boy, we're ready to go and they're finishing poorly. Okay. They're not keeping. It's like we talked about the Ephesians. They're not staying with their first love, which is of Jesus and the love of others. Okay. Verse 3 says, remember, therefore, how you received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know what hour I will come upon you. This sounds somewhat familiar. Okay, Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13 says, there we go, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to the ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps with no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But when the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish ones had to say to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there not be enough for us and for you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourself." And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open it to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, and here it is, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Now, this is pretty familiar. What does this mean? In good Lutheran terminology, what does this mean? Well, it means be prepared. And that's what we're going through here in the book of Revelation. It's helping us to remember be prepared because we do not know the day or the hour. Be prepared. Again, it's back to this all comes down to what do you do with Jesus? Okay, you can reject him and you can go to hell or you can receive him and go to heaven. (laughs) You know, This might seem like an oversimplification of everything, but that's what it comes down to. That's what it boils down to. All right, now, verse 4 says, You have a few names, even in Sardis, who have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, which is a symbol of purity, for they are worthy. Now, in Pergamos and uh, Thyatira, they had a few people that were bad. But it turns out that in in, uh, in uh, Sardis, they had a few people that were good kind of an opposite type of deal. Okay. It says, he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Okay. So what about the others? Here we go. Spurgeon puts it this way. What shall be done with such persons as live in the church, but are not of it? Having a name to live, but are dead. What shall be done with the mere professors and not possessors? What shall become of those who are only outwardly religious, but inwardly are in the gall of bitterness? The answer is, Calvin once did, they shall walk in the black for they're unworthy. They shall walk in black, the blackness of God's destruction. They shall walk in black, the blackness of hopelessness, despair. They shall walk in black, the blackness of incomparable anguish. They shall walk in black, the blackness of damnation. They shall walk in black forever because they were found unworthy. Okay, a lot of this is going on too with the church in Sardis where they're, oh, they got the doctrine down and they're doing really good, but they don't, they're don't they not believers. I go back to the little church that we are part of and we got a new pastor and I asked them, and it's pretty simple. I said, would you rather have a church full of believers, a church with a few, po- the, the, the pew full of Lutherans? He said, you'll go for the pew full of good Lutherans. That stinks. That's not getting it. That is not getting it. Believers, and it doesn't... uh, Now, I'm not going to go down that road. You've heard me say this before. Okay. Again, it finishes up verse 6. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, which means pay attention to what we're doing here. Pay attention. Okay. Verse 7. And to the angel of the church of Philadelphia, again, the pastor of the church in Philadelphia Right, well, okay, what's Philadelphia? It's not a place in Pennsylvania, even though they named it that. So as the name begins, means, as you probably know, brotherly love. And this city was the youngest of the seven cities. And get this, it was originally founded as a missionary outpost for Hellenism, the culture of ancient Greece. This was a prosperous city. Philadelphia commanded one of the greatest highways in the world, a highway which led from Europe to the East. Philadelphia was the greatest, was a gateway, pardon me, from one continent to the other. To walk through its temple scattered streets was to be reminded of Athens, the center of worship of the Olympian gods. And that's small g with an s on it. Okay. So that's a description of Philadelphia. Okay, it's interesting to find out that it was a missionary town, but for Hellenism. Hmm. Goes on to say, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has a key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. Again, this is referring to Jesus. And this also is, is quoting from Isaiah chapter 22. Verse 8, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door. What is this open door? This is the gospel invitation. Did you know that everybody on earth has that same open door to heaven? Everybody on earth has the gospel invitation. It's what you do with it that matters. And no one can shut that door for you have a little strength, have kept my word and have not denied my name. A little strength, they have reliance on God and they have not denied my name, which means they have faith in Jesus. Verse 9 goes on to say, Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, again, people of God, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet to know that I have loved you. Now that seems kind of, it's almost like worship before your feet. It's like bowing down to you, right? No, that's not it. 1 Corinthians 14, 24, 24 and 5, where it says, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, He is convinced by all, and he is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed, and so falling down on his face will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Somebody who receives Jesus and falls down and worships God before you. Okay, verse 10. Because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the earth to test those who dwell on the earth. Now, this is a pretty pretty interesting verse. Uh, it's referring to the great tribulation. Now, there are church bodies that teach that the church will be raptured prior to the great tribulation. There are church bodies that teach that people, the people of God will remain on earth during the tribulation, but that he will protect them. And then there's other churches who really just don't even address this verse. Now, the faith uh, tradition that I was brought in pretty much falls into the latter group. We didn't hear a whole lot about this, especially about a rapture. Uh I am becoming more and more convinced uh, that uh, I'm falling into the uh, first group where the church will be raptured prior to the Great Tribulation. Good thing about all this is, is again, this is Audiofra. It doesn't affect your faith. Okay, if you believe that you're with your whether you're pre-trib, post-trib or a-trib, if you believe in Jesus Christ and he is your savior, that's what counts. I don't think I always have to go back to the thief on the cross. I don't think he had any theological discussions with Jesus prior to Jesus saying, "Hey, I'll see you in paradise." You know, that's it. Again, that's Willie's two cents. Verse 11. Behold, I am coming quickly, which again means it will happen fast. Blink of an eye, no messing around. Hold fast to what you have, that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem." which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. Again, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Again, pay attention. But did you notice something in this? That there was no condemnation voiced against Philadelphia. Okay. Why? Because they didn't, we go back, to verse verse 8 where it says you have not denied my name they have not denied jesus these other churches we look at right they were denying jesus they were going into back to ephesus they're talking about having their doctrine being pure but them not loving jesus or loving others what do we just read about in sardis they're messed up, except for a couple of people. But in Philadelphia here, they're talking about how the church is not going sideways. Verse 14. This goes under the, the um, heading of the lukewarm church. And it says, and to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. Right. Okay. Now, let's Laodicea was an important, wealthy city with a significant Jewish population like other uh, in others in the region it was a center of caesar worship and for the worship of the healing god Asclepius and there was a famous temple to Asclepius in Laodicea and was more famous and it was a more famous medical school connected with the temple their main water supply became a six-mile aqueduct from the hot springs of Heropolis. Because the water came from a hot springs, it was arrived unappeasingly lukewarm. The church at Laodicea is mentioned by Paul in somewhat unfavorable light in the book of Colossians. And again, this is the deal. They are comparing the church to the water supply that they had. And so this was something that everybody could understand. Everybody knew that the water was lukewarm in Laodicea. And now here it is, Jesus saying, guess what? Your church is the same way. Your church is the same way. goes on to say, these are the things, says the Amen, the faithful, and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Again, a description of Jesus that we read about in the first chapter. It says, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. David Guzik puts it this way. Has there ever been a greater curse upon the earth than empty religion, neither hot hot? Or cold. Is there any soul harder to reach than the one who has just enough of Jesus to think that they have enough? And you know what I have. And when I'm reading this, I think of myself as a youngster knowing Jesus as my Savior, but not following Him as my Lord. Well, I knew I say, but I missed out on so much. You know, I missed out on so much by not following him as my Lord. Okay, it says the Church of Laodicea exemplifies empty religion and tax collectors and harlots were more open to jesus than the scribes and pharisees satan will have us any way he can get us and he prizes a lukewarm religionist over a cold-hearted sinner sinner pardon me and a lukewarm religionist i have to be proud to say i never was one of those i never was a religionist uh that's good. Have that relationship. See, that's the thing. People go on and on about, oh, religion is so terrible. Well, you know, if you don't like uh organized religion, read about what Jesus did. Read about how he treated the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, the religious leaders of his time. They didn't much care for him either. He was certain to straighten them out. Okay. Again, uh. 17 says, because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. Good friend of mine was working at a fairly large uh, electronics corporation. And he had a young man in his office who had everything, man. He was young, good looking, got a good looking wife, a nice house, the boat, the car, the kids, the 1.3 kids or whatever, you know, all of the, the the ideal American life, and he said to my friends, says, well, what do I need God for? I'm doing okay on my own. A lot of people feel that way. Then when they aren't doing so well on their own, and I don't, yeah, I do. I do pray that for people. I pray for people who think they're doing okay without God, that they run into tough times. So then they can realize that with God, they can go through it. He's not going to keep you from it, but he'll be with you. Okay. It says this, um, because you say I am rich, have become wealthy and need nothing, and do not know that you are, and this is spiritually, wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. It says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire that you may be rich. And white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and to anoint your eyes with eye salve. You know, that you can see. This is, this is good, because this is focusing on the church in Laodicea, because there in Laodicea, they were well known for this healing eye salve that they had, that they exported all around the known world at that time, and they were known for their eye salve. So here, Jesus is hitting them right there, it says, well, i got this eye, but it's to open your eyes to the truth. Okay. Yes. many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Okay, uh, love. This is, again, uh, in the Greek, the phileo, the brotherly love. It says, I rebuke and, and chasten. Uh, and that would be like a friend trying to straighten out a friend going the wrong way. You know, that's not an easy thing to do. Uh, but that's what we're called to do. Uh, and it, the best way that is to ask for help from the Holy Spirit, but you really need to speak the truth in love. It's hard. It is hard when you see a friend going the wrong way, but that's what we ought to do, especially those who are believers, who you see going sideways and say, man, you know better than that. Okay. As Jesus says, many as I love, I rebuke and Chasten. Therefore, be zealous. Be, have a lot of zeal and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. If Jesus knocks on your door, it's a good idea to say, Come on in, Lord. And verse 21, it says, To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. As I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Remember that the chief priest would go into the Holy of Holies and he would not sit down. He was always standing because he had so much work to do. And remember also they flung a rope around the chief priest just in case God knocked him dead. That's that's pretty interesting. But anyway, Jesus, our our chief priest, Priest. He is the one who finished the work. So we didn't have to stand up anymore. He finished the work with his sacrificial death on the cross. He didn't have to stand up anymore. Work's finished. He is sitting down at the throne with his Father. Again, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Pay attention what Jesus has to speak to us here. Again, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It says it there in the first sentence of the first chapter of Revelation. Okay. Questions, comments, Mark and Alec remarks? I have my friend Jim here who generally comes up with one, and uh, he's just got a smile on his face, which probably means he has a real good one, but he's also being kind. <laughs> but again, uh, should you have any questions about any of this, please contact me either through hotrodbiblestudy.com, through the Faceplant page. I'm easy guy to get a hold of, uh, and I'm happy to talk to you about any of this, any of this at all. Um, one thing that we do here at the Hot Rod Study when requested is we do pray for those uh, for, that are there's a prayer request. And I have one this evening from my, my friend Doug Thompson, who's Uh, Cousin Greg is in stage four pancreatic cancer. Uh, So we'll go to prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we, we know that you are the great physician. We know you are the healer of all. We know that your child Greg is a believer. We know that he is saved. We know that you will heal him ultimately. Lord, what we're asking for is a miracle here that you heal him for his time here on this earth. But again, your will is perfect, and that's what we desire. We take comfort in the fact that Greg knows you. So I pray that you are with the physicians. I pray that you're with Greg and his family and all those who uh, who are uh, concerned about Greg. And we lift him up in Jesus' most holy name. Amen. And with that, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace. Amen.